Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. I don't see Allie sneak in. Look at you. You're very, very sneaky. Hey, just uh, uh, because I want to celebrate, because I'm very happy to have them here. In the very back row, we just embarrass the crap out of my son. If uh, you've not met Ryan Michael yet, there he is in the back. And with, oh, I'm introducing a lot of people. You don't want to do each one. You're going to be, <laughs> we're not Pentecostal yet. We're getting closer. Uh, and, and then there's Sissy beside him, my granddaughter. And Aiden Michael's down a few, down over by Emily and Ash. And then there's Kylie, Ryan's girlfriend, who's too pretty for him. And her little girl, Eliza. Hi, Eliza. So they're all up from Florida last week and this week. And like I said, I'm not done yet, because over here is my old man, Pops. Hey, Dad. Dad's in the back. He's pointed at me. <laughs> I couldn't see if he had the gun part to it or not. Sitting with my mother-in-law. So no, uh, it's not starting rumors. They're just friends. Okay. Yeah, it's good to see him again. Well, hey, listen. Um, now, now that you know that all those people are in here, let's see if you can do much better than you did when my mentor is here. So I'm back. Yay! Better. 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 That was much better than last week. Um, and, I, and since we've had a few, a few weeks off from me and the series that we've been in, I do want to do some recap uh, just to make sure that we kind of see how everything's fitting together in the bigger season that we are in on discipleship. Uh, again, we spent about a year and a half just studying the life of Jesus, going through the Gospels, getting to know who our Messiah is from a biblical standpoint. It uh, doesn't give us a ton of information compared to his entire life or even his three years of public ministry, but does give us plenty of what God wanted us to know to be able to dig into, to understand his character, his healings, his preaching, um, what he calls us to. And then we spent about two and a half months on discipleship, which is just, a, again, a fancy word for growing to be more like this Jesus, being like our Lord, being like our Messiah. Where, um, again, as many of you remember, you guys all had workbooks that the church provided. There was Bible study that you could study how to become more like Jesus at home. And then on Sundays, we were talking about how to take those same things you were studying at home for yourself, but be able to invest into the lives of others um, by looking at the full chair method that we're looking at to be able to talk about the different stages of growing to be a disciple because unfortunately we don't look at that enough and a lot of people never really mature in their Christianity. So recap time, what's the first year? <gasps> the loss, good job. The job. Okay, so we had four chairs up here. The first one is the loss. Those who do not know Christ yet, maybe a seeker, those who are trying to understand a little bit more, uh, come and see is what we talked about with that. Second chair? Newbies, right? Those that are babies, those that are children in the faith, they have accepted Jesus as leader and forgiver in their life. So they move to the second chair, but they're still young. They're still learning how to walk, how to talk, learning how not to spit up on themselves, how, how to change their diet, you know, those type, type of things in their life. So they are grow, have come to the Lord, but not really mature yet in their faith, right? So the third one is Fishers of Men, which that one is where you're starting to get past just being um, a baby in Christ, which unfortunately, as we talked about, too many people stay there for their entire lives. They accept Jesus as living, forgiven their lives, and then they never really grow from that place. They think, oh, okay, I'm a little bit better than I used to be, or 
God, this is what I want to do with my life. Can you sprinkle a little, you know, take about pixie dust on it to bless it or whatnot. But now we're moving into, we realize we have a role here. We have a mission here. We have a commandment here that we're starting to partner with Christ in his mission. This, and this is where evangelism becomes more prominent. Uh, we should be evangelizing. Hey, it's the second tier too, but this is where it's more prominent. And then the fourth tier is what? What's that? Yeah, go and bear fruit. Now we've been doing the mission. We've been evangelizing. We've been part of what God's doing. And now we actually have people that we've led to the Lord that we're discipling, that we're helping to grow in their faith. And so that's why it's so important for us to look at, okay, this is how I go to be Christ, but I'm not going to keep my Christianity as a selfish thing of what it means to me. It's how I also help others as well. So we did that, and then I left. Um, I was very purposeful not to take a break during the discipleship, part, but really wrapped up. All of a sudden, there's these different speakers I, I shared with you before. It really wasn't a Tom thing, but things just fell into place. And we had Morgan, our friend from here in town, who's a young lady in her early 20s, that uh, went and lived in Thailand for a year and a half doing missions. And our church supported her. We were thrilled to have her come. I just uh, gave, gave Ryan and them the books that she bought that day uh, that she wrote for kids on missions, uh, that they autographed again away to all the kids. She did book reading. It was a great Sunday. Uh, the next week we had Katie. Is Katie back in here? I saw her walking around someplace. Where are you at? Oh, there she is. Hi, Katie. I just saw your coffee earlier, and I was like, I wonder if she's back or she's just. Fifth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's good you're waking up after worship. That's good. Uh, <laughs> but but Katie came to me one day and said, Hey, I got a message to kind of my heart. That I'm working through. Uh, if you ever have an opening, I said, Great. Uh, Sunday after next. And she's like, Crap. Uh, but she came and shared, uh, kicked me out of the church for the week, but shared it with you guys. It was an awesome week uh, for you guys. Um, and then when we had the house, a young couple, uh, he's a phenomenal worship leader. She's a phenomenal speaker. And we just love investing into our, our next generation of ministry as well. Uh, so we kind of had some hodgepodge within that. And I told you as we go into it, I'm not sure if God's telling me to shut up for a month to, so that I'm listening, like what I had planned next in the series if that was what we were supposed to be doing or if he had something else. Uh, I can't say that he's confirmed that we're on the right track. He doesn't always confirm that. So we're all staying in the same plan. But he definitely, it was a God thing as far as the pastoral care and the level of pastoral care I've been doing the last three weeks, um, helping Emily get her business up and running, be able to hang out with Ryan and his family has been a, a big blessing. Uh, but when Bob came last week, uh, again, Bob is my pastor uh, since my early 20s. Um, I met to him, my friend, uh, in some ways now contemporary, um, and he's shared on the Holy Spirit, that part of God that is somewhat uh, mysterious to some people. Like, we, we, I think we kind of have a little bit of understanding of God the Father. We got a little bit of understanding of God, uh, you know, the Son, Jesus. Uh, but the Holy Spirit part of God, sometimes people uh, kind of get weirded out by that or don't fully understand that or how that works. And it, it's unbelievably important that we do because it's the part of God that seems like kind of the spotlight's on during our season. You know, like if you look Old Testament, it's kind of like spotlight on God and God was here and we were here after sin. And uh, it was almost like I wasn't good enough for God. So he became, then you have Jesus who's all through the Old Testament, but then he comes down, the spotlight kind of goes on him in the Gospels. We spent all that time with, so now he can put his arm around us, he can hug us, he can laugh with us, he can cry with us. But it was almost like that wasn't enough. So after Jesus died and went back to heaven, and the Holy Spirit, again, all through the Old Testament, all, the Holy Spirit, but what was new is that he indwells within all of us who accept Jesus as leading and forgiven our lives. 
He dwelled in people in the Old Testament singular, and they would talk about it here and there. But now all of us have that accessibility because the Father has sent us the Holy Spirit. And that part of God is now the part that's so intimate with us, he's inside us, that he's with us, that he's walking with us, that, that he's talking with us. And we're going to talk about how some of those things play out because I know that confuses some people as well. So Bob really landed on that, and it's like, okay, that's perfect for where we were heading, and I'm just going to trust the Spirit on that. So what I want to talk about is unpack some of the things that Bob talked about last week because it was a really good o overview. And then that's going to bridge into where we're going to be in for at least August, if not uh, part of September as well. So with that recap, get your Bibles out. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. If you don't have your Bibles with you, please remember that there's always Bibles underneath the chairs and baskets around the room that you can keep, borrow, or still. Uh, and for those who like you, version, it is back with me. Uh, I'm not always the best doing version when it's guest speakers because I usually don't have all the information uh, early enough to do a version for you. But YouVersion is an app that you can get from your app store for free. It's a national app, um, great Bible app. And then when you download it, do a search for local live events, and then you will find TSF in today's date. And it will have all the scripture there for you. It will have places to take notes. It will have places to take and put prayer requests, whatever your heart's desire pretty much is within the app. So you can go there and get most of the, the scripture. All the scripture is listed, but most of the scripture that we'll be covering today. But in Acts chapter 2, which is a pretty popular verse if you've been around here very long, because it's very foundational to uh, who we are as a church and uh, who we are as Christians and what it's supposed to look like. Uh, so we cover it probably once or twice a year just to make sure that we're coming back to the source and we're not watering things down and getting off track of what the church is supposed to be. Uh, but we're going to go back to the beginning of it to be able to pick up when the Holy Spirit arrived for the first time in this particular way where he indwelled and baptized and, and filled a group of people on Pentecost. That's where we're going to pick things up. So as you're looking in chapter 2, we're going to have just a little bit of stuff in chapter 1. It, this is after Jesus has died. It is after he is resurrected. It is after he had spent uh, a period of time, about a month and a half, with the disciples and other people. According to the scripture, he appeared to over 500 people after his resurrection, uh, one of those at one time, and where there was a, a group, hundreds of people there and he appeared to them. So it wasn't exactly a hidden event or a hidden miracle. And then at the end of his time here, right before he went back to heaven, he said two things. We're bringing the end of Matthew and, Mar and uh, the beginning of Acts together. Go, take and lead people to the Lord, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach each other to obey everything I command of you because he loves us, he wants the best, his commandments lead us to that, that's what he wants for you. Then he said at Acts right before this, go and do this, and I'm going to say it the way that they would have heard it uh, in our, our, our language, but he says go do this in your hometown with people that are in your life, your mission field you find yourself in. Do this with people that are different than you when he talked about the Samaritans. So again, there's a place for racism or prejudice within the, the mission of Jesus Christ. Uh, do this within your country and do this at all the ends of the earth. And then the most important things he said was, and then Matthew, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me and I'm with you always. So don't do this yet. Go impact the entire world, but don't do this yet. Go back to Jerusalem, hang out until my father sends the Holy Spirit because you cannot do this on your own. That's really important for us to realize how important the Holy Spirit is in our mission. For all the things that we've been talking about, everything we're talking about growing in chairs, it's not just our conscious choice decisions, even though it's very much a prominent part of it, of leaning into him, but we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they went back into the upper room where they had had communion and 
where they've been kind of hiding out. And for 10 days, they pray and they get ready for whatever this is going to look like. When I say they get ready for, the example I'm thinking of, bless you, is the, um, put, the putting Math, Matthias in the place of Judas. They're like, we don't know what this is going to look like, but we better be fully staffed. And they, they prayed and they cast lots, maybe not the best way, maybe not the worst way. Either way, they were getting ready for whatever this ended up looking like. But we pick it up at the beginning of two is what happens after that 10 days of prayer. Everybody with me? Okay, let's read a little, talk a little. Verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost, and that's a, a holiday, a God holiday for, for the Jewish people. Uh, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, and make sure you hold on to that word suddenly, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. When it says rushing wind, the original uh, Greek to that would translate like a tornado, a sound like a tornado, uh, filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, just a pause there, and this is a Tom commentary, so you either grab it or don't grab it. It's up to you, but the scripture you're stuck with. The speaking in other tongues is not the same thing as speaking in tongues. Uh, speaking in tongues is a gift of the Holy Spirit where you're speaking a prayer language for, from the Holy Spirit to God through you that nobody will understand unless that they have the gift of interpretation of tongues. This is different. This is speaking in other tongues. This is all of a sudden they were busting out speaking in other languages and not just speaking in other languages, but if we put it in all context, if I was speaking French all of a sudden and Tommy took and did German and Chuck did Spanish, they could understand me in their languages. So they're speaking in other tongues. This is a very supernatural event, but it's not the same thing as speaking in tongues. So this miraculous sign has happened. Uh, verse 5, now. They were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Why? It's Pentecost. It's Pentecost. Everybody's come to Jerusalem for this celebration. And at the sound, and the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. What sound? The 12 men speaking? No. The sound of the wind, the fire, the Holy Spirit movement grabbed people's attention. If all of us, and there's what, about 60 of us in here, went down on a street corner in Marion and started singing Christmas carols together, not everybody's going to come a-running. Right? This is a Holy Spirit moment that these thousands of people, and I literally mean thousands of people, are coming to see what's going on. Um, so in verse 7, the people were amazed, and they were astonished, and they were saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of them in our, our own native language? And then they go through saying a bunch of names of different languages that are hard to pronounce, so I'm going to skip over it and go to verse uh, 12. Um, all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said they were filled with new wine. Just to let you know, in our study today, we're going to cover two of the dumbest statements made in the Scripture. Two of the absolute dumbest statements in Scripture. The first one is, they were filled with new wine. I know I always make this point, but it's an incredible point to me. That they're hearing them speak their languages, they can understand it, and some people try to excuse it away, well, well they're drunk. I don't care how much beer and wine we can fill this place with and how much I can get in my stomach. I'm never going to start speaking French out of the blue just because I'm intoxicated. It makes no sense. And especially me speaking, let's say, French, and Tommy understanding it in German because I'm drunk. Makes no sense whatsoever. The reason why this is important to know is because you and I are very good at excusing away God. You and I are very good at excusing away God. I hear people all the time say, I wish that God would just move on my life. But you remember all the... Other times, 
well, you know, that could have just been group like a, a, a psychic thing that we all had together, or that could just be my my imagination, or that could be just a, just stop it and give God credit for what He's doing. He's doing something really cool here. These guys are stupid, and that's okay. So from this, Peter starts to talk, and this is where we kind of get into what Bob talked about last week. Peter gets up and he gives this incredible sermon. I think it's the longest sermon that we have on record that Peter gave, and he does it in the place. Where about a month and a half before he had denied Jesus three times because he was afraid of what people in, around him would say and do. He was scared of people, so he denied even knowing Christ. This time he stands up and goes, You guys are a bunch of goofballs. Obviously, we're not drunk. It's like the ninth hour of the day, or whatever hour it was. And, and it makes no sense what you're saying. But here's what does make sense Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus did come on this earth because you and I need him. You and I are sinners and we deserve death. Jesus took and fulfilled that death for your benefit because you were the one that put him on the cross. That's much harsher than, yeah, I kind of know who Jesus is. But also we have this boldness that comes up. And the reason I really want to highlight that is because that's evidence of the Holy Spirit. That's a testimony that's evidence of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing that really can explain him going from being scared off his butt to saying, you crucified him, except to us whether or not Jesus actually raised from the dead and the Holy Spirit filled Peter. You with me? Testimonies are so powerful. So he stands up and said, you killed Jesus. That's, that, that's what happened. And he, and he goes into it in great depth. And then when we get over to verse 37, it says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, which is a proper response to hearing the word of God. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of what? The Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Who are you? The ones that are far off. This promise is for you, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received this word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 people, 3,000 souls. So don't miss what he said. He died for you. You put him on the cross. You know who put him on the cross? I did. You did. All sin. So the message is still for us who are far off. What do we do about it? You come to him. You accept Jesus, and this is the main thing. Make sure you hear this. You accept Jesus as leader of forgiving your life, by acknowledging with your mouth he's the son of God, believing in your heart he died and rose again, you are God, I am not, I'm giving you my life, and I'm going to follow you because I'm tired of this mess it's been. That's what he told them to do. And they did, and they were baptized, and there was a large mass increase for this itty-bitty church of about 100 people, but 3,000 people saved in one day. And then the Holy Spirit filled them. Okay, are we still good? Still together? For my Bible, I turn the page. I don't know if you have to to get the 42 or not. But there's a result to this. What does it look like when the Holy Spirit shows up and we respond correctly by submitting to him? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as anyone had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, 
praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So 3,000 was just a kicker. And then as we saw the result of the Holy Spirit, more and more people kept coming to the Lord. I, that's a lot. That's a chock full of nuts voice. And we're going to put up, uh, with Chris's help, uh, a list of things that stand out of what they did. This is the result of the Holy Spirit filling them and their choices to lean into the Spirit, to have it the way it's supposed to be. First off, they were devoted to the teaching of the apostles. I, um, you know, so obviously that's going to be scripture, that's going to be commentaries, that's going to be sermons, whatever the case may be, that were devoted to the teaching and lifting up the word of God. That's the 100% truth part of Jesus. 100% truth, 100% love, right? Can't have a little bit of both. It's got to be 100% of each. So with the teaching, uh, I, I was listening to a sermon. I, like, I think I said this before I, I took my break. Um, I've been trying to listen to other sermons. I, I'm horrible at listening to sermons. God bless you guys for having to do it with me all the week. I'm just horrible at it. And, um, but I was trying to get out of my box. I was listening to a Charles Stanley one this week. And he was talking about the difference between um, aggressive listening and passive listening when it comes to God. He's like, if we're, if we're really going to be honest about it, that God's wanting to speak to us through the Word. And he was really focused on it from a sermon standpoint, but from the Scripture as well, obviously. Um, that if we're coming to a teaching or coming to the Scripture, we should realize that's coming to God, right? And be expectant about it. We, we even sang about that. We're coming expecting today. So do we come with passive listening where you just kind of get through it week to week? Or, hey, that was a, that was a decent sermon, but nothing really changes. Whatever they go, you, you know, I finally sit down and I read a chapter of my Bible. I can't remember half of it because I was thinking about what's going on at work anyways. There's a very passive listening that's very much chair two that most people don't get past. An aggressive listening is God's got something for me here, and I want it. I want it. For some of us, we take notes. For some of us, we listen attentively. For some of us, we look forward to getting into the Word or getting into, uh, into a message. And again, I don't think I'm all that great. But what I do know is what I'm teaching from the Scripture, the part that you're stuck with, is awesome. Is awesome. And if I'm not preaching from the Scripture, you really are wasting your time here. That's really what it comes down to. So if you're following biblical teaching, you're getting into the Word, we need to become aggressive, wanting every morsel of what's in that for us. Um, devoted to the fellowship, that's devoted. Remember, keep bringing this word back in, devoted to fellowship. Um, I was going through one of my pastoral uh, discussion boards where I keep in touch with different people around the country, trying to get outside of our box once again. And a pastor asked, and uh, I don't know if he's cocky or not, Hopefully he's confident, but it sounds a little cocky. He had uh, been at a church now for two years. He says, it's going great. He said, I'm a great teacher. Hopefully that's confidence, not cockiness. Uh, uh, the, the worship team is awesome. Our programs are great. But I have identified that we have problems when it comes to fellowship, where people actually are relating to one another. And immediately, they, like, he goes, you guys got any, day, any ideas? Oh, yeah, do small groups, do home groups, do this group, do that group, do that group. And uh, those things are good. They're all good. But what I've learned, and makes me feel stupid that I had to learn this, is that fellowship happens when we get together. It's not that hard. I really think our most passionate fellowship group is 48 Plus Club. I really do. We get together once a month, once every month and a half at Panera. We hang out. We talk for an hour, hour and a half, two hours. I've never seen a Bible open, but I've seen people cry together. Seeing people pray together, laugh together, share their lives together, build relationships with one another, seeing the impact of week beyond that. 
the job of the juniors. I'm really excited about how well that's been going just in the first uh, two times getting together. We've got another one coming up here in a couple of weeks. I'm excited about it doesn't always have to be a Bible study. And I know that sounds heretical for me to say, but it doesn't. It doesn't. We, we bring scripture into everything that we've got, but not every time has to be some kind of big, big workbook situation. They were devoted to being together. Uh, I'll speed up because I'm going long. Devoted to communion, right? Breaking bread, that they were doing that daily. So maybe that's something that we're not necessarily there yet. Devoted to prayer, digging into. Again, 10 days of that is what brought together the Pentecost in the first place. Uh, they were experiencing awe and wonders. They had generous hearts where they were selling or what they had access to take care of others, and nobody, did you catch that phrase? Nobody had a need. Nobody. Everyone took care of each other. Uh, they had formal and relational worship. Uh, what that means is I said that they met daily either in the synagogue, which is formal worship, which is kind of like what we do here, and in each other's homes. That's relational. We're made for both. Don't let anybody ever tell you, I meet in a home church or we meet on the golf course like the early church did. They didn't even have golf. Anyways, the, uh, but you know the point I'm trying to make. Um, we did not stop meeting in homes exclusively until the persecution started after Andrew was martyred. And it's because we weren't allowed to do the formal worship and we paid a price for it. We missed the benefits of formal worship. In the same way, if you're just coming to church on Sunday mornings, and you're not having relational worship throughout the week with friends, brothers, and sisters in Christ, you're missing those aspects that you are made for and created for. So they had both, and they were praising God, and they had thankful hearts with one another. And when you put all that together, that's a wow community. That's awesome. There is nobody in this world that is not attracted to that kind of community. I highly believe that. Highly believe. problem is the church in America has not been that. And so almost anybody you talk to about Jesus that have not been walking with Jesus are going to say, yeah, but I went to this church, or yeah, this happened, or grandma did that, or my parents did this, or this pastor stabbed me in the back, or whatever the case would be, because we're not being the church. I just was talking to somebody not too long ago that has fallen into, and I understand it, I fully get it, and I was there for a while in my 20s, that had been hurt by church, so I love Jesus, and I have my relationship with Jesus, but it's just kind of between me and God because there's really no place for me in the church. That's a Satan trap to keep you away from the formal worship. We're made for both. We're made, we're made to work together for bigger things. The problem is that the church isn't living up to what it's supposed to be, so it makes sense. In her case, she has two children. Both are gay, and she has been divorced twice, uh, both ugly divorces, the first one because of an affair and the second one because of an addiction. Since she said, and I fully get this, where is there a place for me in the church? In this church, with open arms. When the Holy Spirit fills us and leads us, then this is what we're heading towards. Now, there, um, how many people have ever heard of a pastor by the name of David Platt? I was going to say, I know a couple people. A couple, okay, Katie. Uh, he's a national back in the back. Um, I like David Platt. I don't like a lot of national pastors. Isn't that horrible of me? Uh, but I'd like David Platt for the most part. He's very deep, 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 deep into the scripture. Um, but he said something about this scripture that I disagree with. And it was this. He said, this happening in Acts 2 will never happen again fully until we're in heaven. It just won't. It, 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 it's something that happened in the first century because of the Holy Spirit. So do not kill yourself trying to do this because it's impossible. I agree it's impossible in ourselves. I disagree that in the Holy Spirit we can't get there. And what's more important is not necessarily whether or not we get there, but that we're growing there. 
that we're growing there. We're constantly looking at that list and not saying, wow, we do so much better than that than such and such church. Look at where we can grow with the Holy Spirit, with conscious choice decisions. Does that all make sense? Because I'm about to switch. I'm about to switch. Everybody's good? Go to Acts 10. <laughs> Acts 10. Now, I'm not going to read as much in Acts 10. I'm going to sum it up, but I do want you to see it so you can go back and study it later on uh, today and go a little bit deeper. But Acts 10 covers a very specific event in three acts. The first act is all centered around a guy by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius is a Gentile, which means that he is not Jewish, which means according to the Old Testament way of looking at things, and especially how the Jews made it a presidential, th- uh, a p- not presidential, because that sounds like president, prejudice thing, that he, he wasn't a God's person. We're the Jews, we're the God's people. But Cornelius, who was a high-ranking official, Gentile, loved God, loved the God of the Jews. And he took and studied, he took and um, gave alms, to God, which means he gave his offerings to God. He gave alms to other people. He helped people that were in need. He had a great reputation because of his character, because he was a God follower. Even though that meant that he could not go into a synagogue, even though it meant the church didn't want anything to do with him, he was all in, and he was devoted for a long period of time before there was a moment when he had a vision, and he was told, God really likes you. He is seen your devotion. He has seen your arms, and he really likes you, and he really wants you to send for Peter and have Peter come to your house. And so Cornelius did it. Understand that's a scary thing for Cornelius to do because it's illegal for a Jew to come into his house, and so he could lose his position. He could take and be ridiculed within the community. He could lose everything, but he did what God told him to do. Act two, Peter sitting up on the roof of a guy named Simon. Simon is a tanner, which means he works with um, dead animals, carcasses. And he's not just at his house, he's up on the roof praying. And this shows us that Peter has grown a little bit from understanding that the Old Testament covenant has been fulfilled through Christ, and it doesn't work the same way it did before, because in the Old Covenant, if he touches a dead carcass or if he touches blood, he's unclean, and he can't go back to the synagogue until he gets clean through ritual cleaning. This doesn't bother Peter anymore. Potter's now, uh, Peter's up on the roof where he's, he's got all the hides up and he's drying them. And, and uh, uh, so he has no problem with that. He's comfortable there. But he's not quite there yet because God says, I need to work on Peter a little bit before Cornelius' guys show up. And so also he has this vision of this net coming down with all these different animals in it. It's called clean and unclean animals. You have to get into Old Testament law, but there's certain kind of animals we could eat, other animals we couldn't eat, uh, representing sin, all this kind of stuff. And it came down and he heard God's voice say, don't say anything I created is unclean. And then it went back up. And a lot of us like this particular parable because it's showing that that's been fulfilled and now we can eat shrimp. Thank God. Right? <laughs> now we can have crab. Right, right. Even though it made me violently sick yesterday, but the, the shrimp was so good. Anyways, and, but Peter didn't seem to fully get it, so it happened again and it happened again, and he's trying, so he gets the point across. But then after those visions, he hears God speak and say, there's two guys at the front door, go with them. Now, why do you have to do that? Because Peter probably wouldn't have. Because he's still trying to get together this whole thing of whatever I made is clean and don't say it's unclean. But nonetheless, sure enough, Simon yells up the stairway, say, Peter, there's a couple guys here for you. He goes, I know. He comes down. He goes with them over to Cornelius' house. Chapter, or the third stage. He walks into the house. 
and in it, it is full of his family and friends. Can you notice his family and friends? And um, he says, this is verse 28 if you have it open. This is funny. Well, I'm, I'm, let's see. I might read more than that. No, okay, I'll read this. He said to them, Peter says, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. Okay, so he's very aware of this. This is in Peter's mind as well as Cornelius's and the families. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, why you sent for me? This is stupid statement number two. You're Peter. You just got done leading 3,000 people to the Lord. They want to know more about Jesus. If we didn't send for you to come and take and teach us about fishing, you know, like what? It's, like, it's like me showing up on Sunday and saying, what do, you, what do you guys want me to talk about? Uh, better would be about Jesus or the scripture, otherwise we're going home. I mean, it's, just, it's kind of a duh moment. But he's still kind of disconnected on this whole Jewish-Gentile thing. But he starts to teach them. Once he realizes what's going on, he's teaching them. If you accept Jesus as leader forgiven your life, by acknowledging with your mouth, he's the son of God. Believe in your heart, he died and rose again. You're God, I'm not. I'm tired of this life. I'm following you. You can be saved. And he doesn't even fully understand the fullness of what God wants to do with them. Because as he's teaching them, and again, the reason I want to bring this one up is because it's much more jumbled than this really neat uh, Pentecost thing. Here, you know, he's misunderstanding. They're going through struggles. All this is going, but he finally gets into the Word of God. In verse 44, it says, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard the Word. And the believers from among the circumcised, which is the Jewish, who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God, and then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? In other words, the prejudice was so bad that they weren't even sure they should be baptized. And he's like, If the Holy Spirit's going to fall on them, holy cow, they must be just like us. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And when they asked him to, and then they asked him to remain for some, some days. That's kind of a st- stupid statement, too. I would think they would ask him to stay around. I would think you'd want that to hang out with you for a while. This life-changing, overwhelming Holy Spirit moment. Okay, those are the two testimonies I wanted to have on the table. Let me talk to you about this. In both cases, the Holy Spirit fell, they're speaking in tongues, people are running. It's just crazy, crazy, overwhelming, the Holy Spirit. The problem is sometimes we over-mysticize the Holy Spirit and we miss what he does in the whispers. We miss what he does in the logic. Sometimes we are looking for this big tongues of fire landing on my head moment and completely miss the beauty of the fact that we can accept him as leader and forgive our lives in the first place. We're always looking for the big stuff. If I, if I could just have a big stuff moment. Big stuff's already in this book. I'm just waiting for Jesus to tell me to do. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Have you cracked open your Bible and looked at what he's told you to do about his character, about his will, what his plan? There's a lot going on than just these big, big moments. But in these big moments, if we're not going to try to explain them away because they make us uncomfortable, because I know people that have had Holy Spirit moments that try to explain them away, because they don't want to spend their life to Jesus? Because it just seems too weird, too far out? There is a way to seek after experiences, and God does want you to have experiences too. 
Here's a scripture that you probably know if you grew up with the help of Chris and Matthew. Matthew 7, 7 through 8. And we're going to leave this up for a while, Chris. It says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. You got that? Who's speaking? Anybody know? Hmm? Jesus. This is Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount. And when he's speaking it, do you realize it's a promise? Do you realize it's the word of God? Okay, this isn't just something to slap, slap up on a Facebook page sometime and just to have a nice moment. It's a promise. If you ask, it will be given to you. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be open to you. And then, what does he say? The exact same freaking thing. Because Jesus is unclear and not sure if he stated it right the first time. I don't think he had that issue. He said, I think it's for two reasons. One, because we don't do that promise enough. Two, when we try it out, we give up way too fast. This is a repetitive motion. If I ask, it will be given to you. That's praying. Whatever it may be, you, you have a, see promises in Scripture. If anybody lacks wisdom on a situation, pray, and I'll give you wisdom on that situation. You get out of the way. You get your own goals out of the way. You pray and ask me for wisdom. I'll, I'll, I'll lead you in that. Here it's on everything. Pray. Get your own motives out of the way, your own goals out of the way, the ways of the world out of the way, and, and it will be given to you, period. As it comes through prayer. Seeking. I, I almost wish that was exercise. Exercise and you will find. Because seeking is not like, can you show up yet? Seeking is I'm in the word, I'm in fellowship, I'm taking and digging in and look, look, taking maybe listening to podcasts, whatever the case may be. I'm digging into God. I'm seeking him. I'm actively, aggressively listening and seeking. And then knock. Anytime you come against that barrier and it seems like the door just ain't open it for you, that's it. Just keep going. Knock. Seek it out. Go for it. Whatever it is, go up against those barriers. And when it doesn't happen on day one, go for day two. And go for day three. And go for day four. Because when it came to Pentecost, how many days did they pray? Ten. Jesus made an incredible promise. Well, in the last days, this is really important. But why don't you pray about it for ten days? Why? Because it's intimacy between us and our Father. It reminds us of our dependency on the Father. So the, the 10 days of prayer of, of asking, the entire process of Acts 10, Peter seeking, taking and Cornelius seeking, for them taking and going into this. It, it, it was just a couple of days once Peter got pulled into it, but for Cornelius, it had been a lifetime of how he served God, of how he gave alms, of how he served people to the point that God showed up and said, you know what, I really like you. This is, this is what we're called to, to, to do when it comes to, to knocking. Again, whenever those barriers are there, whenever they kept on going, they just kept on going day after day after day. With Cornelius, Jews can't come to my house. For Peter, Jews can't come to that house. I'm going to continue knocking. I'm going over and over and over again. If you want to experience the Holy Spirit the way that Bob was talking about last week, if you want to experience the Holy Spirit the way that we're talking about, it does mean asking seeking and knocking it does not mean showing up to church once every couple of months it does not mean taking and opening your bible once every six months it means i'm digging in because father i want you and i want to experience you and what he guarantees is you will you will 
there was this, uh, I don't know, it was about two weeks ago, I was telling Emily about it. Uh, I listen to Sirius XM for most of my music, and uh, on that it has the message, and I know some of you guys have it too. And there's a new DJ, lady DJ on the mornings, and she, I think she's only been Christian like four years. But she was sharing uh, an experience in this ballpark where she really wanted um, some kind of tangible experience that she could hold on to, that she knew that she wasn't crazy, you know, on, on, the, on the Jesus stuff. And quite frankly, the word should be enough, but, for mo- but we're human. You know what I mean? You still, still desire. You hear about people, God, God spoke to me. And in your imagination, that means God spoke to Andrew. Go to Kroger's, right? You know, like we be thinking, but it, it's really about how he uses our discernment and how we feel it, some of stuff. But we, 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 want, we, we think of these as big, big moments, and he does give us big moments, and we've got several testimonies of that. But in her case, she was praying about it, and uh, she said she prayed for six months every day. Six months every day. And then one day she was uh, in her living room uh, doing her devotions. What's that mean? She was seeking. She's been praying every day. She's seeking. She's in her time with the Lord. And, um, and halfway through devotional, she said the atmosphere just changed. You just feel it wasn't the living room anymore. There's just something changed in the atmosphere. There was peace, and it was joy. And she looked, and looking out her window, through the blinds, she could see a silhouette of Jesus standing there with both of his hands out for several moments, and then it was gone. Those are cool moments. But do not miss the seeking and the asking and the knocking that goes into the process of knowing God. Because I'll tell you what, if she had not been praying that, she had not been seeking that, and that hoping, that happened to be just like, well, that was weird. That was weird. But she knows I was seeking, I was asking, I was knocking, and my father showed up. My father showed up. As we continue over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit. It only makes sense because as we look at Jesus and the impact he had on the disciples, we got to look at what happened with the disciples after he left, after the commission. And it's so Holy Spirit-based. And to learn from that, we need the Holy Spirit within this. So we're going to be seeking, asking, and knocking for the Holy Spirit. We're going to spend the next several weeks in a deeper, different way of looking at spiritual gifts with one another. As Bob said last week, if you are a Christian, According to the scripture as we just read today, then you have the Holy Spirit and you are gifted one way or the other, maybe even two or three ways. And it's not just made for you, it's made for the body of Christ. How does that work? But we cannot study that without the Holy Spirit. So what I- If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.